This podcast is sponsored by Canoe Club. Canoe Club has been one of my favorite retailers for such a long time, so it's a real honor to have them, you know, sponsoring the pod. If you're unfamiliar with Canoe Club, it's a retailer based out of Boulder, Colorado, that carries brands such as you know, Engineer Garments, Visvim, Capital, Nanamika, Levi's, Orslo, you know, Friends of the Pod, Marnie, Solomon, and Popeye Magazine, and so much more. They have such an incredible assortment, you know, ranging from under the radar emerging brands to beloved heritage brands. I had the founder of Canoe Club, Timothy Grindle, on the podcast, which I'll have linked in the description if you're interested in learning more about the retailer. I'll also be showcasing some of my favorite pieces on the Fashion Collective Instagram, as well as in the weekly newsletter. very kind to offer a 15% discount code for all the Fashion Collective podcast listeners. Use code FashionCollective15 to get 15% off your next order. Again, it is FashionCollective15 to get 15% off your next order. The link to the site will be linked in the description for you guys to head over and check out the assortment. Hello, I'm Alexander Walker of the Fashion Collective Podcast. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a new listener, then thank you for taking the time to check us out. The Fashion Collective Podcast is a place for creatives to learn, share, collaborate, and support each other. Each week, you'll get in-depth interviews with creators talking about their creative process, inspirations, giving advice, and sharing their opinions on the major topics within the industry. Our mission is to create a space for creatives. If you have the time, I would greatly appreciate you taking the time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Hey, how's it going, Clara? Hi, good morning. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. Uh, Thank you again for agreeing to come on the podcast. I'm really excited to have you on. I think everything that you've been doing with chapter two is really incredible. So I'm excited to jump into this one. Thank you so much. I am too. Uh, before we get into the episode, can you just share quickly just, you know, a little bit about yourself and you know, what you do? Sure. So I am one of the co-founders of chapter two. Uh, we're a communications company. Um, our main office is based in New York. We also have a team out in L.A., Um, But I do think our calling card is definitely discovering and incubating emerging designers and and young talent um, and really kind of helping them uh, find their voice and find space within the fashion industry. We've launched quite a few notable brands, um, emerging designers into the designer space. Um, But we also work a lot with um, different legacy brands, ones that are definitely really close to us. You know, and we have a pretty big part of our company that's also sustainability focused and really focused on social impact. And we also have newly launched cannabis division that's been doing really well as well. Um, and so that's been really exciting to kind of watch and and see grow. And again, that's another space where we really want to bring in more diversity and, and really kind of work with incubating founders um, that really aren't well represented in the current industry into that space, similar to what we what our goal was in fashion. So, you know, that's another 
space that's very white and male um, and a little bit like a country club setting. So that's something that we're uh, shake up as well um, by bringing in some really fresh new um, people into that space. So we've definitely been busy. Um, I've personally been busy. And I think like everybody else during the past year, it's, you know, trying to keep productive and you know on my end just trying to keep this this young company going um has been you know a challenge to kind of balance out with you know with taking care of yourself and staying well so that's kind of me in a nutshell awesome and yeah we'll be getting into all of that over the course over the course of the episode you know jumping into segment one style ethos you know how would you describe your personal style to the audience So my personal style, I would definitely say is very minimalist. I definitely focus on classics. I think a part of it is just my natural style. Like I definitely gravitate towards very clean minds and um, I I wear a lot of black. Um, But I do think part of that is because I started working in PR, you know, pretty early and I adopted a uniform that kind of worked well for events, travel, meetings. And then, you know, as I kind of found my personal style, I was really able to hone in on the pieces I wanted to invest in. And so I definitely have, you know, a lot of old Celine that I wear season after season. I have a lot of, um, you know, uh, just basics that I love. Like I love Prada knits and um, pieces like that, that I can always kind of take care of and, and go back to. But I always kind of say I'm like 90s minimalist with um, with streetwear added in. It's like if streetwear had been, as big as it is back then, I feel like maybe that's where the intersection of my style is because I love wearing my brands. Um, I am definitely right, yeah. a publicist that loves wearing anything that my designers are able to um, send to me, whether it's a sample or something that I steal out of gifting. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I wear a lot of Mr. Saturday. I wear a lot of Huff. Um, I wear recently I've started wearing a lot of Tom Bogo. Um, I wear a lot of Clark. So I'm definitely, uh, again, one of those publicists that, that, um, that practices what she preaches. And I really stand behind, you know, the, the designers and the talent that I work with. So I, there's never a day that goes by that I'm not at least wearing one, one piece from one of them. Yeah. You got to support the brands and then with some, you know, Mucha and, you know, Phoebe Philo thrown in there. I like it. Absolutely. Moving into segment two, you know, what have you been obsessed with lately? You know, this can be, you know, movies, TV shows, brands, books, articles, cooking, anything. Oh, man, um, I am definitely a consumer of all things. I get really into, you know, whatever state of mind I'm in. Um, definitely over the course of the pandemic, when we've spent a lot of time at home, I got really into furniture and decor and um, I was definitely one of those people that was constantly trolling like first dibs, you know, chair, <laughs> Facebook market, Craigslist, everything to just find those perfect pieces. I follow like, you know, 10 different vintage furniture accounts on Instagram. Um, so I got really heavy into, into finding really beautiful uh, mid-century vintage pieces from my apartment. Um, I'm definitely a big music person. I'm always, you know, on the lookout for great new artists, great new tracks that are dropping. I know people always love to kind of hate on new music, but I think there's been some really great albums and and songs and things like that dropped over the course of the last year, especially during, you know, the pandemic when I think we all needed, 
some really great music to kind of lift us up at home and, you know, while we're working at home and kind of keep us feeling sane. Yeah. 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 Keeping us feeling really connected. And, um, you know, I definitely am a big music person, but I got to be honest, like very recently, I've just fallen back in love with fashion so much. I am having so much more fun shopping, which is so new for me. I feel like somebody who has worked in fashion for as long as I have and, you know, for how tough the job can be, it does in some ways and sometimes takes the joy or at least takes the veneer off of the industry. And, you know, like I kind of said, I feel like fashion for me in the past was, you know, personally very focused on functionality because my life was so different. I, I was traveling a lot for work and I, you know, would have to jump into a lot of events or meetings or things like that. So a lot of my clothes were just like black, professional, you know, tailored. Um, and I loved it because I love that aesthetic. But again, it, it, it kind of only fit that one purpose of my life. And, you know, now that we're in this, this phase right now of spring coming in, and, you know, people are getting vaccinated, and the energy is very different in the city. You know, I am, I have actually been really buying up looking at a lot of fun, um, fun younger brands or fun new pieces uh, to rock. um, As we're coming out of this, like I am definitely wondering how much Jacquemus dresses I could stock up on before <laughs> too much. Yeah. So Faye Noel, she's like another um, really fun uh, feminine designer that I'm looking at that, you know, shockingly has a lot of color. I know people who are hearing this are going to be like, oh, Clara, is that is that really what she's about to do? And I, you know, I'm looking at it. I feel inspired by her pieces to just want to travel, be out. Um, things like that. So I feel like I've just been having a lot more fun looking at fashion, seeing what I want to buy, seeing kind of like how I want to reemerge out of this, you know, as everybody's starting to come back out into the world. Uh, So that's really great to hear. I mean, so furniture, music, and, you know, fashion, I up some, some stuff for the spring summer. Yeah. You know, moving into, you know, segment three, rapid fire, you know, kind of getting your quick opinion on something. Really, I want to, you know, touch on, you know, we're seeing so many, you know, small brands and other brands get acquired. Uh, we recently saw tomorrow, you know, acquire, you know, Charles Jeffrey, uh, stake in them. So, you know, what are your thoughts as someone who's always working with, you know, emerging brands? You know, what are your thoughts on these kind of acquisitions? I think the acquisitions are interesting because I do think um, it's kind of twofold it makes you kind of ask what is important for young brands uh, and designers to survive in the market right now. And, you know, as much as creative talent and amazing design and vision, you know, really drive these brands to exist in this space, like the backbone of it is business, the backbone of it is structure. And I do think in a lot of situations, what leads to these acquisition deals coming together is this uh, fundamental need for structure and 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 people to really help build a framework to scale a business and um, to grow globally, which again is always you know not always a goal for brands, but it should be. But I also think it begs the interesting question of 
of ownership in the space. I think the fashion industry, as much as we talk about how democratic it's become over the past couple of years, like realistically, a lot of it is still, the power is still very concentrated at the top. Um, realistically, a lot of um, brands do have a backer or do have an owner, whether or not they're public about it or not. Um, and I do think that there is a very real conversation that needs to be had about like what the diversity up top really looks like and, and who, who does own these brands and what that kind of does to the authenticity of the brands that they buy up or how they're trying to enter different spaces. And I think that's a much larger conversation. And I do think there are def- there are different initiatives, collectives, people that are trying to really change what the space looks like up top at a lot of these holding companies or at a lot of these, you know, really powerful companies that do hold the power and do hold the money to be able to buy up um, ownership in this space. But that's something that I've been thinking a lot about as I'm reading, you know, about more and more streetwear brands or, or, you know, a lot of brands that are either black owned or owned by um, people of color being, you know, being acquired by major, major companies is I really start to think about what the ownership structure looks like and how that really kind of changes the way that these brands exist in the space. I think the goal for a lot of young brands sometimes is this ultimate idea of acquisition or getting investment or things like that. But I almost want to flip this conversation to the other point, which is like, I do think we as like community that loves these brands that are independent or loves these brands that, you know, come from like a really authentic place like how do we give them more of a structure to do things the way that they want to do it or really kind of shake up the business model for how they operate and how they can scale globally without necessarily having to go under the umbrella of a much larger you know conglomerate or holding company or whatever it may be or investment group because ultimately when that does happen you do have to make compromises for how you operate like you do have a lot more people to answer to and then you have to ask the question do those investors or those people or those board members that you now have to answer to like do they really understand what you're about do they understand your customer do they really understand what's important to the culture that like you injected so heavily into the dna of of your brand and your company and um you know everything that you built that has your name on the door and i think you know again those are really important questions to ask as you're looking at different avenues for um, the way your business can continue and, and can continue to grow. And as you bring, you know, more and more people um, into, into the fold, I think, I think those are questions that everybody's really trying to figure out now. I think, um, I think one of the things that I'm most excited about seeing coming out of this pandemic or even, you know, as it is right now is just seeing how much of the fashion industry has changed and how people really have taken this as an opportunity to try out different ways of getting product to customer or when they can release product or how they're operating or who they're partnering with, or even how they're getting capital. And I, I want to kind of see how these ways of experimenting of how to shift and how to run your business in a world that just completely, you know, changed for a year, like how that will kind of impact the ways that we continue on as an industry as things come back online. Definitely. And I think this is a really great segue getting into, you know, the major topic of the podcast, you know, everything that you've been doing with chapter two, you know, is founded by you and Kenneth Liu in 2016. And, you know, as you were touching on kind of helping to support, you know, emerging brands, and as you say it on your site, you know, rewrite the rules 
you know, how did you arrive at this goal? Like, did you feel like this was really missing within the industry? And, you know, how was it initially kind of, you know, starting a business in that first couple of years? Yeah, I mean, I have, like I said, I've been working in fashion PR for a while, just as early as, you know, internships that I would take in high school and college. You know, I started working right after school, you know, as a, as a publicist, like in a PR position. And, you know, I, I spent the the first couple years really kind of in PR boot camp and learning how to do the job and learning how to work with, you know, bigger corporate clients and learning how to work in the luxury space and, and how the, the nuts and bolts of it kind of work. But, you know, I personally was friends with a lot of young designers that were that were trying to break into the space that were trying to, again, really introduce something new into the lexicon of what luxury fashion was. And they just didn't have a PR model that worked for them. Like they, you know, these were designers that were trying to introduce streetwear into a super elevated position. And, you know, they didn't have like formal fashion training, you know, they didn't have connections or things like that to editors or buyers or, you know, people within the fashion industry, they really were like, we really were just kind of kids trying to trying to do something different and do something new and do something that reflected where we came from and, and make it luxury fashion. And, you know, I started applying some of the things I was learning, you know, as an assistant, or, you know, as you know, a young publicist into helping them out, you know, writing releases or um, pitching things to editors, or even just having conversations with editors about what we were trying to do. Um, just on the side, like, I just remember even during lunch breaks at my like full time job, I would like, take a cab over to style.com, you know, at the time that was doing all of the runway reviews and, you know, have meetings with my young designers who had like never even been in major public publishing spaces like that. Um, and, and have those introductions be made or have those reviews kind of happen. And then I'd like rush through my job and then do the same thing for my corporate clients. That's crazy. Um, and you know, what ended up happening was like, I was just so much more passionate about what I was doing for my friends. You know, I, the, the first brand, you know, I was doing this for was on noir, um, at the time and oh, wow, I introduced nice. to them through one of my even now best friends, curtains, um, who I just like kind of met on the fly just through a mutual friend. And he was telling me about, you know, this group of guys that, you know, they were making some really cool things, you know, he wanted me to check it out, you know, they had these dreams of like doing these big shows. And when I met them, it was just so fashion just became so much more fun. And I feel like, you know, having spent the past couple years, just like in, in the fashion industry, but just in a much more corporate setting, where it just felt honestly, like super soul draining. And it really was just like, so exhausting, not just in the work, but just how fashion was treated that coming into an energy and environment of young designers like that, where the vision was so big and the energy was so high and the pieces were just like really becoming um, embraced by like such a large community of, pe of like people who just loved fashion. Like it made me want to go all in on, on that. And I think like having that personal connection to the designers and, 
becoming really good friends with just like people in that space just made me care so much more that we won, like that we would be winning, that it made me care so much more that we got that review or we got in the New York Times or that we got into this retailer. And, you know, when you have that kind of connection with your designers and and you have skin in the game with just like really wanting um, your people to win, it makes you so much more passionate, but also creative about your approach on how to help them get space in the industry and find a voice and get those interviews and opportunities. Cause you're not going to just take no for an answer. You're going to push and push and push until there is that one editor or that one person who's going to give you a shot or give you a break or do things because you want to cash in a favor and then things keep growing. And I feel like it's that sense of like not taking no for an answer and just really Um, working outside of the box of what traditional PR looked like that really um, transitioned into a conversation about me starting my own agency. And I got to be honest, like I was really young when this all started happening. I was 26 at the time when, um, when I was thinking pretty seriously about doing things on my own, because again, I couldn't even find a space. I couldn't find a brand or an agency that really saw fashion the way that I did and would let me work with young designers and in the space that I wanted to. And it kind of became clear that the only option was for me to just do it on my own. And, um, but even then, like, you know, I'm 26, I'm, I'm a girl, I'm in a very male dominated space. I also like don't have any funding or backing. I'd been working in PR, fashion PR for years. So it's not like I have a huge bank account of really anything saved, you know? And so there were a lot of doubts in my head about like how I can do this or if I could do it. And I just remember Kirby at Pierre Moss. He is also, you know, one of my close friends even now, but he was the one that was really like, you got to do it. And, you know, whatever you need, if it's a space to work out of, you work out of my office, but you have to do this. And that kind of was the impetus for me just being like, okay, eyes closed, all in, we're going to make a leap and and go for it. And that was kind of the beginning of chapter two. But, you know, timing wise, and this is why I am like such a big believer in the universe, just bringing things to you, bringing people to you at the right time, at the right places, and life just kind of being so much bigger than anything you can ever plan for. Like timing wise, like I had just met Ken, um, my business partner now, just through a mutual friend. I was like in the area for lunch. He was like, hey, my my friend Ken's office is right here. Like, um, I'm going to tell him to come by. And just from that one lunch where like Ken was stealing fries off of my plate, like we just became <laughs> really good friends and not even, it wasn't a business conversation. It really was just like, we were talking about personal things going on in our lives. And we were just so uh, aligned in, in what we were talking about. And you know, the more we got to know each other, the more we really did talk about fashion. Um, You know, he had another company before we met and um, we were just really talking about the brands that we loved and what we wanted to see in the space and what we were good at. And that kind of transitioned into a really organic conversation about, okay, like I see how we're yin and yang in a lot of ways. I see how we have like really different skill sets and our personalities, to be honest, are complete opposite, but there is such an interesting balance here that like I think this can really work as as business partners and again like for me I'm such like an intuitive everything I'm an intuitive shopper I'm an intuitive eater I'm an intuitive just person especially with people and I just like knew in my gut that like this was 
this was right. Like I could learn to really trust this person. And I think he really understood what, what I wanted to do. And I think more than anything, I really kind of felt like he trusted me, like he trusted my vision. And I think that's finding a great business partner. I got to say, like when people ask me, what's the secret to chapter two, what's the secret to you guys like staying successful was the secret to you guys signing business during a pandemic was the secret to any of this it is the fact that there are two of us and we genuinely really love and respect each other and we respect the work that we do together and that has not faltered once during you know the five or six years that we've had this company um so that's how this all started and then you know from there we really again wanted to create a company that did things differently but also like had a goal of bringing new talent and a very diverse group of talent into the fashion space. And, you know, obviously that came from a past history of working with younger designers and how much I loved it. Like I said, like I worked with On Noir and launching them into the space. And that was such a special time in my life. You know, I worked on John Elliott's first runway shows at Fashion Week, and that was such a special and crazy you know, experience to kind of work on. And obviously, like working with Kirby at Pierre Moss through, you know, the first um, couple years of his company was just such a different and special time in my life that I really wanted to continue that legacy. And I wanted that to be the part of the industry that I poured myself into. And, you know, at a certain point of working in fashion, you realize actually you realize pretty quickly that like, this is a very draining and exhausting and all in industry to try to be sick no way to half-ass it like you have to really want to be here to be here um it will it requires so much work it requires so much dedication it requires you showing up it requires you caring thinking creatively and you know for me I was like listen if I want to stay in this industry what is going to make me feel so passionate and excited every single day for the rest of my life? And that was, you know, working with with brands like this. And so when Ken and I started the company, we really were very passionate about about um, building a roster of designers that were of every type of identity, whatever they self-identified with, but again, would create a really different kind of environment and landscape and fashion. And and our dream was always that, you know, while we amplified them and made them bigger, bigger and bigger faces and presences in the fashion space, that they would also kind of create their own community within our, within our showroom, within our office, and they would start to work together and they would kind of build their own um, support system to, to help each other grow. And I think that was always that seedling of an idea, like really, did end up scaling and working. And I I do think is really why our company is successful is because, you know, now we do have an ecosystem of brands, some of them are really big, um, and they're emerging, and we're able to kind of connect them, have them just like, get along as friends, um, but also support each other's businesses with different partnerships and collaborations, or even just sharing information. And I think that's been like a really amazing part of um, the value that we were able to bring to young designers and and into the fashion space. Definitely, I 100% agree, and that kind of leads into kind of my next question. As you stated, you know, you worked with some of my some of my personal favorite, you know, emerging brands you know, that have now kind of moved out of emerging. I feel like are just you know full fledged brands like Rude, you know, Reese Cooper, Mr. Saturday, you know, Pierre Moss, and Murder Bravado. You know, what's your mindset when you you know take on a new brand? You kind of touched on it earlier, but you know, how do you figure out like the best way to support them? 
you know, how do you gear your approach and strategy to fit what they're looking for? Like, what do those conversations look like? It has to just start on a human level, to be honest. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot, honestly, to this day, the brands and the business that we have, like, we've never just gone out and cold pitched. Like, it's always come through word of mouth, a friend of a friend, um, somebody, you know, connecting us with someone else. Um, and it coming through really organically. And then that conversation being really just an introduction about like, how do we get along? Like, how do we connect on just like a person to person level? And if the chemistry is there, and the conversations are really aligned on the way that you work, what you're trying to achieve, what this looks like, then like that, that turns into a conversation about, okay, how do we potentially help you? How do we step in and, and give you what you need to get to the next level? And ultimately, you know, starting my own company and agency, like a big priority for me selfishly was I want to work with people that I get along with. Like I want to work with people that like I could sit in a car for hours with and not get sick of. And, you know, I think that's always the starting point for the designers that I want to bring in is like, do I genuinely really like and respect this person on a human level? And then it really gets into, you know, seeing the quality of the product that they can make, seeing the vision that they have for what they want to create, and then seeing if that really resonates with you. And, you know, I love art in any form that humanizes people and, you know, feeds us with substance. And fashion can do that. And if I can see that what they're creating is doing that, and is feeding us as a culture in some way, then like, I want to get behind that, I want to help that. And I think that's always what I look for with, um, with the designers that, you know, that at this point approach us or that I want to work with or that I have an eye on. And again, I think there's no formula for how to help clients or how to work with them. Like you really do have to treat every relationship as different because it is, and you have to really figure out like what their needs are, you know, what the dynamic is, you know, how to build with them while really keeping in mind like their work pace, their um, sensitivities, their goals. And again, really kind of looking at everything from a really like long-term committed perspective of like, okay, like how do I make a committed relationship with this person work where it's equally fruitful, where we're able to build something together? You know, what does that kind of look like? And, and that's kind of how how those relationships happen um, with our designers and and what that working relationship kind of looks like. A lot of people who listen are, you know, aspiring creatives and a lot of them either have a brand or, you know, thinking about starting a brand. Do you have anything that, you know, if you're starting a brand that people should try to avoid when they're trying to grow it? Because it can be very difficult to get more exposure for your pieces and everything. Do you have any advice for things to avoid when you're in those early stages of, you know, creating a brand? Uh, chasing hype. I think that's like the quickest way to make your work look like everyone else's. It's funny because I think PR, people have this idea of PR where it's like, let me hit up this person or this company and like suddenly get my product everywhere or like get this fame and attention or whatever it may be. But PR is not that like PR is really helping to create space in the industry to tell a longer story, a bigger story, a more continuous story. And I always you know, tell clients the key to like a really successful relationship with the publicist or a PR company is 
trust and consistency. You have to be comfortable in those months and those seasons where like, you're not going to get a ton of attention where you have your head down and you're working and you're developing product or you're having the business conversations that you need to be having. And then you also need to be comfortable in those months where you're going to be exhausted every day speaking to press for hours and saying the same things that you've, you know, really honed in on wanting to say. And I think for people that are looking to build more attention behind their brands or what they're doing, you the first thing that you have to do is shift your perspective and know that PR is not a silver bullet. It's not like a magic bullet to suddenly becoming successful. And it's also not like magic fairy dust where like you can make something out of nothing. Like the story and the business and the product have to be there before anything else. And you have to look at it as an endurance race and really see PR as an extension of that endurance of like work as like an, a growing and living part of, of your storytelling. And I think people who have that perspective on PR where it's not just these like bursts of of hype or attention to just like feed, first of all, your ego, but also just feed like whatever, you know, whatever funds you may need to just sell at this one product, like people who can look beyond that are the ones that are really successful in, in their relationships with the press in their relationships with their publicists. And also just like the, the narratives that they're able to really have ownership of and feel really confident behind, you know, that does play out to a larger audience that that's really tuned into you know, what they're saying and what they're about. And I think the other piece of advice that I have for young designers is spend that time and that energy, like really finding yourself and really getting to know yourself and your vision. Like don't look at other people in the industry. Like don't look at other brands. Don't look at other designers and what they're doing. Because to be honest, like this industry is a house of mirrors and you don't know what's going on with another brand behind the scenes. Like you don't know what that situation looks like when you lift up the hood and comparing yourself or benchmarking yourself to something or someone that could be a complete facade or could be like a complete, just like, you know, image that they're projecting is counterproductive. Like it's just what are you, you're comparing yourself to something that's just fake. And only way to really have longevity in this industry is having a really strong sense of self and authenticity and being able to constantly evolve on your own vision and completely like, again, have that be a reflection of what you're thinking about what you're growing into and then having that audience and that consumer grow with you. Um, it's never going to be you know, consumers are never going to stay with you just because you're staying competitive with something else. I think that is always, you know, such a trap of young designers, especially in that that space where I work in, which is like designer level. I call it new luxury because I, I kind of don't like that term streetwear anymore because everything at this point could be categorized as streetwear. Um, right. I, I call it new luxury. And I think that the biggest trapping of that is just having your eye on too much of what other people are doing or what other companies are doing. And, and I think that's the quickest way to just have your product and your collections and your campaigns just look like everybody else's. And ultimately like that is going to be that thing that softens your, like what makes you so distinctive in the space. And um, I always, you know, say that to my young designers is just like, keep an eye on yourself and just remember at the end of the day, 
anything that you do, whether it's invest in a runway show or invest in creating this really insane custom jacket or whatever it is, you have to do that for yourself. Like you have to know that that feeds you and your vision and like what you're staying up at night thinking about. And if you can say that about everything that you're doing, then like you're going to be okay. Yeah, definitely. And I think we've seen that with, you know, brands like Rude, we've seen them, you know, grow and evolve and we've seen them, you know, focus even more on tailoring and we've seen, you know, brands like Murder Bravado, you know, really, you know, come into its own. And uh, you've also said that you've also worked for, you know, other brands that are, you know, legacy brands such as like Nike, you know, how has it been, you know, working with them and what's your mindset going into those kind of conversations? Yeah, projects. we have some clients on our roster that are these like global corporate brands or legacy brands. And we also work with companies, you know, like Nike and like Adidas on different collaborations or events and projects and things like that. And it's always um, a different dynamic working with a company of that size and that influence and also like uh, that structure, which sometimes can be a challenge to work through when again, you're, you're kind of, your calling card is to do really quick, agile, impactful, creative things. Um, sometimes kind of steering those big ships is a little bit of a challenge, but I got to be honest, even with those companies, and it goes back to what I said, selfishly, I started this company to work with the people and teams that I just have a blast working with. And I just love, um, and even within those companies, I will only work with the people and the teams that I just have such a good time working with and I respect and who I know are in those places day after day, fighting the good fight, you know, really using their positions and their influence to, to um, contribute to their companies in a way that is so close to the culture and on the ground and impacts so much of, of us, you know, out here that like, it's such an honor to be able to even have those companies on our roster and to do things with them. And, you know, at Nike, um, uh, I primarily work with two women who are just like, so incredible. And again, like, even just having that dynamic of being women in the space and wanting to empower other women through the the projects and the budgets and the opportunities that we have has been such an incredible um, way to, to work with, with Nike, um, which has always been just like such an, it's been a dream for me to work with. Cause I actually wear Nike a lot. Um, like speaking of brands that I like shop, like Nike is one of those brands that I'll mix in with like <laughs> Celine Pant or, you know, like a Max Mara blazer, like whatever it is. Um, and so that's been really amazing. And then Huff, you know, that's a brand that is so close to me. Um, I first of all, I love their team. Those boys at Huff are just some of the most genuine, caring, and like they really do fight for their community and for it to be so close to what Keith Huffnagel initially and originally always dreamt of Huff being. And I have so much respect for you know the guys that I work with there, and I and I love working with them so much. And even you know, I did have that conversation with my business partner when we first started getting into conversation with them about being like, hey, like, are we, do we want to work with a company this big? Like, do we want to, you know, have a, a, a really, are we ready to enter a committed relationship with a global corporation like that? And, you know, to be honest, the minute we met those guys and kind of saw who we'd be working with day in and day out and like who we, we would have on the inside to, to really fight for us and, and make sure that, you know, 
what we wanted to do um, would be heard and our work would be trusted. Like it was a done deal. Like we walked out and we're like, yes, let's go. And I think, you know, that was one of those brands that I was so grateful to work with, especially last year when, when Keith Huffnagel passed, because being in a position to actually help a situation like that, to be able to bring stories um, you know, at these publications like the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and, you know, complex that, again, like just need a conduit to get them the right information to, to really share with them, like what, um, what was important to Keith or what is important to the company and have that translated um, really accurately and in a way that feels good to the company and, and the family was just like, it was such an honor to be able to do that for a brand that I grew up on and that I have so much respect for and that I personally um, really love. And I think, you know, that was definitely one of those moments where you see the value so much and not just being a publicist and what you're able to do and contribute to a company, but also like the value in working in fashion and being able to, um, you know, be in this space and the capacity that you're in. And I think that I always go back to that, like, no matter what the size of the company, no matter what industry that client is in, no matter, you know, anything above all else, like, do you just genuinely like these people? And do you want to like, rock out with them every single day to do some amazing work? And um, I can genuinely say yes to all of that, um, very much including the global companies that we work with. And that's really great to hear. And I think that's what everybody is, you know, aspires to have, you know, looking to the future, of chapter two, you know, what do you see as the future of the agency? Ooh, I think the future of the agency is always tied to what my personal legacy, um, what, what I want that to be. And that's definitely to continue to find, incubate, lift up really incredible and important voices in the industry. I think it's to continue finding designers and brands that can use a platform of fashion, which is so powerful and so global and has such an impact um, to speak on things that are so important to us as humans. And, you know, that doesn't mean that you have to make a cultural or political statement or anything like that. If that's what you want to do, amazing. I'm, I so think that's important and um, we'll find a way to support that the best way I can. But also just even speaking about art and vision. And again, like I said, like creating art that just connects with people and feeds us with, with substance and connection, I think is, um, is what I always want to be able to bring to the industry. I think continuing to do that will always be the core of chapter two. I definitely see us expanding into um, different industries that we genuinely have an interest in. I think that question you asked of like, what am I really into right now? Like music, cooking, working out, whatever. Like I use that also as a question for what I want to start getting into. Like cannabis was natural for us to get into because I got to be honest, my business partner is a huge cannabis connoisseur. He is a king of cannabis and uh, that's his project. Um, mm -hmm. And he genuinely really loves it. So like that became an extension of our company. Like I, you know, really am into like wellness too. Um, and, and beauty. And that's something that like, now I'm starting to look at and being like, Oh, like, what are some companies in that space that I, I would be really interested in working with? And, um, you know, fashion became such a big, you know, core of our company, because I just genuinely really love fashion. So I see chapter two extending into different interests that we may have, um, seeing, you know, what we 
feel really passionately about and, and want to invest our resources into growing. I definitely think that when um, the world is back online, you know, prior to the pandemic, we had some plans to expand into um, some different cities just to be able to give um, our clients who at this point are very global, like just more resources on the ground. I think, um, you know, putting our stake in the ground in a couple different places geographically will be another really big goal of ours that I'm really excited about. Um, you know, I think there's a lot that I want to do with chapter two, like a lot. And there's so much that I want to give to my clients and also my team. And, you know, that's, that's a work in progress. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited about some of the things that we have in place right now to start putting those action plans together to make it happen. But I'm also really excited to see like organically, like what ends up happening and how we grow and what feels right. And, you know, like I said, I'm a really intuitive person. And when an opportunity feels right, a partnership feels right, an office space feels right, like I will just yeah, everything. Yeah, I'll just press go on it. And I've learned to really trust that. And I think that's maybe like one of the greatest gifts that starting at a company in your 20s has done for me is like at a certain point, you don't really have a choice but to trust your intuition because it's the only thing that's going to like get you through some situations um, because you can't really explain your way out of a lot. And so I now really do use that um, as like a really big tool for me to to make some decisions, um, especially about strategic growth. Definitely can be really used as like a really great compass to you know figure out you know where you want to go. Yeah, and it seems like Chapter Two has like a re- a lot of really amazing and exciting projects and things coming down the pipeline, you know, where can people, you know, follow you to stay up to date on, you know, everything that you're doing? I mean, our Instagram and our social media team definitely does a good job just um, kind of showcasing the work that we've been doing at chapter two agency. Um, But I got to be honest, just even following along with our designers, um, especially the younger ones and, and what they are putting out right now is so exciting. And so, um, telling about, I think, the type of work that we're doing. And, you know, that ranges from, like I said, Mr. Saturday, um, whose designer is Joey Gollish and Tom Bogo and and Mark Kaiser at Kaiser Clark and, you know, the, the boys over at Huff and St. Woods, like they all have such incredible projects and collections that they're so stoked on right now that um, I think that Chapter two is such a great place to find a lead on what might be happening. Like it'll just, it's just a space that you can trust that like people are doing some cool things in and just like poke around and see, you know, what designer um, you end up following or clicking through or, or looking at their collections for. And I always think like chapter two is kind of a starting off point for like what, you know, little movements are happening in fashion. But when you want to get in deep, like you do have to kind of follow the designers because ultimately what we're doing is reflected in the way that they're communicating to their audiences. That's, you know, what we are, we're a communications company. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I definitely think people who have an interest in emerging fashion, in legacy brands, in impactful work, in, you know, um, deeper narratives that, that can be told through fashion, like, yeah, check out, our, our company and, and the clients that we have. But from there, like, that is, that is your journey to figure out, like, you know, dive deep into these brands, like really kind of look through their collections and their, you know, what the designers are talking about. They're all young. They're all so like articulate and intelligent and empathetic, which I think is so important. Um, and I think, you know, there's something there that's, 
almost anybody can like grab a hold on to and you know whether it's murder bravado and like the message that he has behind his brand or even the way that he makes things um you know with his partner taylor or like you know looking at mr saturday and those historical storylines that kind of weave through his collections and and what he's talking about from like a cultural standpoint and um how that kind of parallels you know what we're experiencing now i think there's just so much richness there um that can really like help feed people especially like people who just really see fashion as an art form and something that is just like so deeply tied to a sense of self definitely and and all of that will be you know linked in the podcast description uh thank you again for you know coming on the podcast of course thank you so much for having me I hope you enjoyed this week's guest interview. If you enjoy the content in the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on social media to stay updated on all new podcast episodes. You can follow us on Instagram at The Fashion Collector Podcast. You can follow my personal account at AlexWalkerPH. You can follow us on Twitter at TFC underscore pod. And with that being said, I'll catch you all next week.